You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. I start off with a quote. This one will be short. And it says, teamwork is the fuel that allows common people to produce uncommon results. So teamwork is the fuel that allows common people to produce uncommon results. So, man, I have somebody actually from my team. We partnered up a couple of months back. And, man, I'm really excited to announce him and just really get his story out there, man, because he is the killing it in the real estate game. He's a real estate entrepreneur. He's not just selling real estate. We're going to get into his story today. Rashad is a retired professional athlete, now a real estate entrepreneur, flipping, building, and developing. He started his $10 million fund for athletes to help transition from sports into business and create generational wealth. Rashad's goal is to build up his community and share information with his people. But Rashad Jones Jennings, welcome to the show today, bro. Man, thank you for having me, T, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show, man. I done watched a couple episodes and it's just full of information, man. And hopefully, you know, with me being on, being on this episode, I can provide some value to your uh, to your audience. Man, you got a lot of value because I think the biggest thing is as an entrepreneur, you know, people are so caught up in these coaches and these mentors and these click funnel people. But it's like who's really out there in the streets doing what they're posting. And you and I have talked about this, man. Everybody wants to post and not do. We do and don't want to post. So tell me your story, brother. Like, how did you give me a quick rundown of who you are? And how you became a real estate entrepreneur? Like, how did you get into this game? Yeah, man. So um, a little bit about me. I'm, I'm originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Graduated from the University of Arkansas, Little Rock. Led the nation in rebound in there. You know, had a cup of, co- had a cup of coffee in the NBA. And uh, ended up playing eight years professionally. And um, I ended up retiring in 2015. And, and even while I was playing, you know, I was challenging myself to read books, listen to audio books and everything. Because what I realized was I was I was listening to a lot of music on the planes and stuff, and it was just like really dead time. So I was like, I challenged myself. I was like, man, now when we, when we travel in these airports, I'm gonna make sure I go into the bookstore, pick out a book I like to read, and read it. So that what got me reading up on real estate and stuff like that, and that really helped me with my transition. So um, and I and I ended up getting my license while I was still playing. I had about another year and a half left in the tank, and um, it really helped with my transition. So. 2015, I went all in on real estate. I was turning down coaching jobs. People thought I was crazy. I'm talking about people thought I was crazy because at the time I was still trying to figure out real estate. So I didn't have all this success, you know, whatever that I'm having now, but I just knew it was a part of the process. And I knew if I stayed with it, it it was only a matter of time. It was never if it was always when. So Mm. so that's a, that's a little bit of part of my, my story. And uh, I've been in the game six years. And, um, you know, just, just been working my way up. I started out as a realtor, but then I um, started wholesaling. From wholesaling, I started flipping. From flipping, I started building spec homes. And then from spec homes, it gave me the courage to, you know, put together a whole community. Mm, man, boy, leveling up, leveling up, literally. So one of the things that people don't talk a lot about was mindset. How did you transition that mindset from your upbringing to becoming, obviously, an amazing college athlete? And then a lot of our, you know, a lot of people quit there. They're like, well, man, I made it to college. I'm good. But you went on to that next level, had a, had an s- amazing career overseas and in the NBA. How did you translate that mindset to real estate? Man, um, I've always been ambitious, man. You know, I always wanted to get to the top because, I, I, you know, coming from where I come from, we didn't see a lot. 
But it was just always something in me that just always wanted more. We didn't come from, you know, a rich background, man. It was it was sometimes we came home from school and my mom would be like, hey, iron your clothes for the rest of the week because the light's going to be off to Friday. You know, we, you know, it was those type of talks. So I always just wanted more. And I just seeing her struggle and stuff like that, she did the best she could to take care of us. Five kids, single mother. You know, it was just, it was just my point to just make it out. Just keep fighting, man. That mindset just, you know, it just came, it really came from my environment and my situation. Like, I just knew I just had to fight, crawl and scratch to try to get to the top. So when I, when I transitioned from, from basketball into the business world, for the first two years, I was on it. I was frustrated a lot because I was, I was having talks with myself like, man, I was just trying to figure out what could I translate from sports into business. And then once I figured that out, it was mindset. Once I figured that out, it was it was off to the races. And it took me two years to really figure out, figure that out. But I think it takes people, some people longer than that, mm-hmm. you know, because my, you know, by me having my license and, and, and already reading up on real estate, it helped with my transition. So, you know, it helped with my transition. So when I got to that point, you know, it was just now it's just like, hey, what can I translate so I can shorten my learning curve? And that was and that was mindset. Love it. Yeah, you know, I came up single mom, five kids too. I, I mean, we got a lot, a lot in common, bro. We do, and I think we knew that the first time we met in person. So you talked about. I want to go back and hear something that you said that I always want to try to pull out these wisdom nuggets. It just flowed from you. You didn't even think about it. You said it wasn't a if; it was a win. Mm-hmm. And I'm always telling people like it's not an arrogant statement. I know I'm gonna be successful, bro. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, and and, and that's what it's like, man. Like. We've been in these type of situations, whether it's been in game and practice. We've been, in practice. We used to always have these uh, situational games, like, "Hey, thirty seconds on the clock, you down five. You know, it's the it's their ball. You know, and then we have to figure out how to come back." So I've always uh, basketball and playing sports always was subconsciously training you to always figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, you only in the fourth. Are you gonna pack it in and get beat by twenty five thirty, or are you gonna figure out a way to chip this down to the next media timeout and chip it down? You know, so I'm always trying to reverse engineer how to figure things out. And that's why it's so valuable for your story to be told, because people can not only pull inspiration from your story, but I think the move now in in 2022 isn't just to inspire people anymore. I've said there's three levels, inspire, then give them access and then give them a roadmap. And Mm -hmm. that's that's really where I'm at now, because everybody wants to post and be these influencers. See, that's the thing for us. We're not looking for all that attention. We've already had it our whole lives as athletes. So we're not looking for Instagram, Facebook, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, famous, whatever. It's like, no, man, we're just so focused on our craft. And when you meet people like Rashad and I, you're going to know like what we're saying is real because we've been out there and done it. So you hit on something that I I wrote. I said, readers are leaders. Mm -hmm. When you started reading those books, do you feel like it changed you from the inside out? Because obviously we didn't get financial literacy in our community, nor did we get it in college. Yeah, man, it definitely changed me. And you know what's crazy, um, T? I had always been, I always got good grades. And another thing what people don't know about my story is I went to school on an academic scholarship. I had to work to be, like academics came easy to me. I had to work hard to be good at sports. So I was on an academic scholarship when I when I went to college, but I never, I, ne- I had never fully read an entire book because what one of the things I realized is when we was in school, they was putting, they was giving us stuff to read, and I felt like I didn't, you know, I thought I didn't like reading, but that wasn't the case at all. I just didn't like what they wanted me to read. Mm. When I 
reading, uh, when I started picking out my own books, it was like, man, like this is relaxing. I'm learning, you know, and, 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 and I feel like I'm progressing. So we were in a, one, I remember one time we were in a NBA workshop and uh, I don't know if you remember this guy, he played for the Sacramento Kings. He was hosting the workshop and um, his name was Lawrence Thunderbird. And he said something that, that, that resonated with me and it, and it ticked me off really. He was like, you want to hide something from an athlete, put it in the book. Mm. You know, and that really that that simple statement right there really sparked me, you know, wanting to go read. And, you know, like I said, while I'm in the airport, I'm making making it a point to go pick up a book. Now, it's on me if I buy it and waste my money or I can get my money's worth out of this book and really learn. So it was that point in time where it was like, man, I need to really start reading because if you want to have something from an athlete, put it in a book. And I just didn't like I just didn't like that moniker on me. So that's that's kind of what started it. No, I love it. So we transition now. We're. You know, you wholesaling, then flipping, and then obviously you start selling real estate. You grew a team. You grew an independent brokerage in Atlanta. Walk me through why you got your license. Why did you grow a team? And then what did you transition to? Well, it was kind of like a next progression, right? But initially, I always wanted to be an investor. I knew that was my end goal. But me being a realtor was my my way in. I put my three years in, and once I hit my three year mark, I got my broker's license. And at first, um, when I had my broker's license, I worked from home all year. And that, and that, and one thing, and that's why I'm always, I'm big on, you know, self, self-development and everything like that. I went to another conference and uh, a guy said, and I quote, uh, you can't, you can't grow in, uh, in isolation. Mm. And when I heard that, it was like, man, I really need to, like, I'm comfortable working from home, but comfort kills. I need to get out this house. And that's, and that's when I got my office and started building a team. You know what I'm saying? So I'm always seeking knowledge. I'm always going to conferences and everything. But to answer your question, that that was the lead up to me to me um, building a team and everything. You know, because I, I was I was just going to work from home. And then I heard that quote and I was like, man, you're right. I really can't grow in isolation because I really wasn't growing. I was comfortable, but I wasn't growing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got the office and got uncomfortable and started bringing people in, start training agents, start shooting videos for my back office training that you know, things really start picking up, you know? No, I love it, bro. But now you've, obviously you're expanding your real estate team to all 50 states. What are you looking for? If if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're interested in partnering with you, what, what type of person, a real estate professional are you looking for? Man, I'm looking for go-getters, man. I'm looking for people with the same mindset. I'm looking for people who, who have no quit. Like if it's not, it's not if, it's when. Like I always say this, and this is one of my monikers, man, look, it's only a matter of time, you know, before you get to your destination. If you follow, if you follow a few different steps, one is, you know, uh, getting better every day, failing fast, failing forward, and never making the same mistake twice. If you follow that formula, that's that's nothing but progress. Mm-hmm. Like not making the same mistake twice, failing forward, self development. You know, um, it's a lot of free information out here. Um, I pay for a lot of information from coaches and you know conferences and things like that, and going to meetups. Man, you just really got to get active. And I always told my agents, man, it's it's cumulative. It's not one or two things. You got to network. You got to uh, you got to be visible. You got to actually put in the work. And um, you know, you you got to you got to build the team. You know, you got to really build a team. So no, nah, that's good, bro. So when you transition, obviously the brokerage, and then you you went from flipping. Walk me through what your focus is today. Like if you said, hey, man, here are my top three pillars, or a top five, or top one or two. What are you focused on today as a real estate entrepreneur? Man, right now I'm focused on development, getting into the business side of things. I'm building a car wash. I just put another car wash under contract. 
and I got an LOI on the third. So mm-hmm. it's crazy that the car wash deal kind of came along. You know, I bought a piece of land and had a car wash on it previously, and I was just going to build a retail strip center. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked to my architect one day, and he was like, man, you know what? Because it's two separate parcels. And um, he was like, you know what? You might want to, you know, have one parcel retail and one parcel, you know, build that car wash back so you don't have all retail. And I was like, man, you know what? You're right. So that's what got me into the car wash game. Mm-hmm. But it just so happened it was a, uh, it's another car wash less than a half a mile away, probably two blocks away, less than a half a mile. And um, I was thinking, man, I kept just kept riding. And I had been trying to get that for years. But um, I was thinking, I was like, man, I don't, I don't need two car washes. But then, then, then my, then my chest mind came into play. It was like, man, you might as well lock it up and lease it to a tire company so nobody else can come and open up shop as a car wash, right? Mm-hmm. So I mailed the guy again. I was, I was going in thinking, you know, doing a tire shop. But once I met the owner on site, you know, everything was in great condition. Like, you know, and I was like, man, I can make my my two car washes compete against each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. with different. Brands. So, you know, that's that's kind of how I got into the car wash game. To answer your question, development, these car washes and uh, build to rent. I, I just got on the contract eight and a half acres in Chattanooga, Tennessee to build 30 houses. I'm, I'm, I'm back and forth between 30 houses because it was previous, previously approved for 30 houses or doing uh, 120 townhomes because mm. uh, I just found out that you can do 15 townhomes per acre. So wow. that'll be the highest best use. So. Um, those top three things are my focus right now. Um, just getting these developments going and uh, building these biz- businesses with these car washes. Man, I love it. I want to unpack some stuff here. So you mentioned the LOI. For the audience, I want to break that down. What does LOI stand for? A letter of intent. It's basically, you know, it's basically letting the seller know that you're you're serious and you're interested in purchasing this property. You know, there's plenty of different ways to do LOIs. Um, the way I do my LOI is I have a template and I have different things in red that are interchangeable, and that's that. That's the property address, and that's the the owner's name who I'm addressing. So what I do is I go in, I change it, and uh, I send my LOIs via FedEx. And and the reason why I do that is because I know they're going to open it. Mm. And also, too, another thing, I don't I don't put I don't put my LOI on regular paper. It's a it's a it's a more thicker cut paper because my whole thing is when I get in front of a seller, I want to look different. Yep. Everybody else is sending these we buy houses mailers, you know, that's 70 cents or whatever on the dollar. But these FedEx mailers, they're like nine, ten dollars. So you really gotta be a sniper. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta go broke trying to just shotgun blast. So, you know, when I send out these LOIs, it's it's from properties that I specifically put my eyes on, whether it's been driving for dollars or or however else I found the property. So that's what the LOI is basically. And I also sometimes I'll send a purchase and sale agreement in that FedEx package too, along with my business card. And that's how I got the car wash. Yeah. You know, man, I love it. How many times do you hit that car wash guy? Do you just send him the FedEx? Is, and does he have to sign for it, or is it just in a nice FedEx envelope and he gets it? What's your touch campaign to get that guy to to, to convert? Yeah, so I don't I don't require them to sign for the simple fact. Um, I just I just wanted to get there. You know, I I, I pretty much know that guy because. You know, if if they have to sign, then one of the things about FedEx, if you're not there, you got to go pick it up from the office. And if they probably, if they're not expecting a FedEx, you know, they probably won't go get it. So I don't have, so they have to sign. You know, my main thing is just getting it to them and making sure they, you know, and and they open it. And the crazy thing about that is too, right? And that's why I'm so big on these FedEx mailers. 
I've mailed this guy at least 10 times in the last five years. I've mailed him at least once or twice for, per year in the last five years. I've been trying to get that car washed. I never got a response. The minute I sent that FedEx mailer, I got a call next week from his niece, um, who's a real estate agent saying, hey, let me know when you want to meet on site. I met him on site. We did a handshake deal right there on site. And I told him, I said, look, you'll have an offer for me within an hour. I'm about to go to this restaurant, sit at the bar, open up my laptop, and I'm going to send you an offer. And um, we went on the contract that day. And I told him, I said, look, if I send you an offer, will you sign today? He said, yeah. So that's how that's how I got it locked up. And, and that was from start to finish from that FedEx mailer. Wow. And I got that information, right? I don't know if you know Mark Spain. Mm-hmm. I got that information from him when I was trying to get listings and stuff as a realtor. And, and this information, he said something on that video that like really hit home because the guy interviewing was like, you know, why are you giving so much information? He said, I give all the information because, you know, 90 percent of the people are not going to act on it anyway. <laughs> and it's crazy, man, because like people always ask me, man, how you get these deals? How you get these deals? And it's like, man, I just take my own advice. I mean, I, I'm openly I openly talk about the FedEx Miller campaign. I, I talk about that openly, but I can guarantee you probably only one percent of the people actually did it. Wow. You know, I sent out probably 20 FedEx Millers that day. It probably took me three hours to do it all. But with that car wash, I, I got around four hundred thousand dollars in equity in that car wash day one. Yeah, because I got a crazy deal. I got it for two hundred thousand. They going for seven hundred up to a million. Yeah, it's six hundred thousand just to build a structure. That's not even counting the equipment. Mm-hmm. So, like, man, like if y'all really want to create wealth, you gotta. I'm very big on like I watch a lot of YouTube. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't. I don't do it like everybody else do it. Like if I'm watching your podcast, Terrence, mm-hmm. I'm sniping. I'm saying, what can I take from from Terrence's podcast that I can implement in my business today? Even when I'm reading books, I don't wait till I'm finished with the book to go implement. Like I'm sniping, I'm taking notes. It may take me, it may take me triple the time to read a book than than an average person because I'm just not trying to get to the end just to say I finished it. I'm really trying to embody the book. Mm, that's you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really just trying to make it a part of my life. Like, and another thing I always say too, man, I read, I will read a book. I've gotten more out of reading the people's principles three times than I've gotten out of reading a hundred books once. Mm. So like now I'm telling people to go deep instead of wide. Yep. Just go deep on that subject and embody it. Yeah. There was a guy, he's passed now. He was a, an amazing man, was a big Aggie donor to the football program. When you go around our facility, his name's on a lot of stuff. But he once told me, he said, Terrence, you you read a book the first time for the information. He said, but you read it the 10th time for the transformation. Mm-hmm. And that like stuck with me, bro. He's like, so like you're saying, you, you read it the first time for the information. But right. now that you've read people's principles three or four times, now you've transformed with that exactly. book. So I love that, bro. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Oh, yeah, man. For sure. And it's crazy, man. I got something different. Each time I read it, I, every time I read the book, I pulled out something different. Yeah. And I really recommended it, man. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, yeah, that's know, good. That so let me ask you this. That's really good, bro. When you're looking at a car wash, because you have all these different asset classes, multifamily, BFRs, built for rentals, townhomes, duplexes, commercial strip centers. We can keep going. Hotels. What are you just like those top three to five things you're looking for when you're in when you're kind of evaluating a car wash besides buying it with equity, obviously. Right. Traffic count. Mm-hmm. Make sure you traffic study, because this is a thing that I learned. You know, it's crazy, man. Five, six months ago, 
my mind wasn't even on car washes. Now I'm the car wash guy because <laughs> I just been doing. I just put my head. You know how you you went all in on NFTs. <laughs> once I'm studying the once I'm studying the subject, man, I'm going all in, man. I went to the car wash conference, and when I'm there, I'm asking thousands of questions. Yeah. I joined these car wash groups, and when I'm in these groups, I'm asking questions. You know, who do you use for inspections? What should I look for and inspect? Like, it's so many resources out here, but you just really got to tap into it, man. It's crazy because I would ask a question and I, I probably have 10, 15 people give me answers in mm. these groups. Um, but to answer back to your question, man, um, the three things is traffic count. You know, what was basically there previously? Uh, if it was a previous car wash, why didn't it? Why wasn't it successful? Was it marketing? Was it bad management? Um, so I'm looking at, you know, how easy would this area be to manage? The one I'm getting is it's in an okay area. I would say it's in the C area, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, that's going to being in the C area versus an A area. I'm not, I'm going to have to put up cameras and lights. I'm um, thinking about going cashless. That's, that's probably not the, the most popular thing to do. A lot of people told me not to go cashless because I'm taking out 30% of the market, but you know, at the same time. I don't want people trying to knock my building down and try to get two thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, so that's I got to think about. No, that's good, bro. That's good. I'm first off, man. I just want you to know I'm proud of you, bro. Like, I appreciate to 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 blaze out there in a new space, like you said, me and NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, bro. This Friday, I just got forty two free NFTs, free. Wow. And we can talk about it later, but I got airdrop. Yeah. So I'm on these projects and then they airdrop them to you or you uh, get the mint free. Like once you get a Genesis. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's got like 42 free NFTs, bro, from like funky flies and apocalyptic apes. So, <laughs> yeah. Bro, I'm sniping, bro. Everybody knows me as the sniper in the NFT space. Like literally even my PFP, which is my profile picture. I got a rifle on the back of my shoulder. Cause when I show up in the room, they say they know I'm sniping. Like I'm not playing around, bro. I'll be in there like, getting after it so but um yeah man so let's 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 pivot real quick so i love the car wash bro i love that strategy because it you know robert kiyosaki talks a lot about velocity of money mm-hmm. and so one of the things that i'm working on it's it's a concept that i'm working on i'm creating a lot of new concepts that no one's ever talked about so like with my you know real estate entrepreneur podcast and coaching that i'm getting ready to drop i'm creating these concepts nobody's talking about and one of them is velocity of money Mm-hmm. equated with multiple income streams and making that into a formula. Mm-hmm. And people are like, what the hell is this dude talking about? But you hit it because if you have rental houses that pay you on, a, let's say, the fifth of every month, but then you build an organization that's a rev share through EXP that's paying you on the 22nd of every month mm-hmm. and you're getting stock, right? right? So that's growing as a residual income. Right. And then you have the car washes that are paying you every day in quarters or in dollars or whatever. And then the boom, boom, boom. So you look up and you've created a hundred income streams that all have different velocities. Bro, when you think about how to calculate that, dog. (laughs) Now that's going to be crazy, man. Especially then you throw in the developments and the bills. Yep. Developer fees. Like, man, it's just going to, it's going to get to a point where you really, you really built the real solid foundation, man. Like you said, it's different velocities. You got residual, you got your stock, you know, you got your downline, you got your organization with the EXP. I mean, and it's like, man, and it's, it's really, it's all tied in, you know, to, to one, to one center, you know, business and you build an enterprise around it. 
Well, because like you said earlier, building spec homes, that's four to six month bill on average. Okay, that's going to be a pop at the end. You can flip. You could wholesale. You could sell real estate, make you 3% commission or 6%. That's just different, not only different income streams, but it's different velocities. Some of them move faster. Some of them move slower. Some of them hit now. Some of them hit over time. So, man, can you imagine that diversification of your balance sheet? And that's what I'm trying to explain to people, that diversification. Man, if you have 100 income streams all moving at different speeds, right, bro, your balance sheet, it's, it's, a, it's a game changer. And that's why, like, I did a training with my team, you know, everybody that's in the organization. I explained to them, there's five levels to this game. Millionaire, Penta, millionaire, five million or more. Deca, millionaire, 10 million or more. Hecto, which is 11, I mean, 100 million or more. So you got the 1 million, 5 million, 10 million, 100 million. And then the last level is billionaire. So it's like millionaire, Penta, millionaire, Deca, millionaire, Hecto, and then billionaire. Right. And the way that you get there is it's not always hard work now. It's what I'm what I'm creating, bro. Like real talk. And when I when I'm finished with that formula and stuff, obviously I'm gonna go over it with you. I'm literally you're inviting everything that I'm talking about on this podcast, bro. Nice. Because nice. being that real estate entrepreneur where you sell real estate, you have a team, you expand and grow, you you develop neighborhoods, you build rent, like that's the move. But you know. People think, oh man, shouldn't you be overwhelmed? Yeah, it's tough. This ain't easy, bro. Greatness ain't easy. I just posted <laughs> my story today. Man, like you said, greatness, greatness ain't easy. Like, especially like when we're trying to do something that's really never been done before, especially in our families, it's not easy. Because if it was like this cliche, but if it's easy, everybody would do it. You know, like today, I went to the, I knew I would have to be on site. We, we started moving dirt. So it's all about scheduling. And, and we was talking about this before we went live about working off the calendar. You know, if it, at this point in my career, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Yeah. So, you know, I went to the office this morning for three hours. I was on site by 11. I knew we had this podcast. I was home by four. And, you know, now we're doing the podcast. And once we once we wrap this up, you know, I'm going I'm to do something else that's on my schedule as far as like making sure, you know, whether it's budgets or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So. So being overwhelmed, I feel like it's relative because it's for me, when I get overwhelmed, I just think back and be like, man, this is what you asked for. Yep. <laughs> you can still, you know, win just by, but you just got to be willing to go through that. A lot of people are not. Yep. And that's the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur. You pick and choose what you want to do. Mm-hmm. See, everybody wants to be the boss, but they don't want to pay the price of what it takes. And that, like Puff said on a podcast and Dame said, putting your own money up. Right. And so, no, nah, that's good, bro. Well, I got a couple speed questions I'm going to hit. But before we jump to those speed questions, let's talk development real quick. So you're developing. You've done a micro community neighborhood um, mm-hmm. that's done really well. It's already sold out, correct? Yeah, we sold out in 50 days. Wow. Man. Uh, so walk me through that. Walk me through that project real quick. Man, it's crazy, man. Um, So I, I, I had a part. I got a partner that he's real big on a tiny. He was talking his tiny home stuff. Six, five, six years ago when it was first coming out. And, you know, human nature, especially for me, I was so focused on trying to be a realtor and trying to flip because this is when I went from realtor to wholesaling and flipping. So now I, I got my hands full. So I really wasn't trying to hear the tiny house stuff. But for four years, every time I saw him, he was talking his tiny house stuff. <laughs> so we just kept talking about it, kept talking about it. And then we got an opportunity to purchase a property from a wholesaler. So we ended up purchasing a property from a wholesaler. One thing about that, man, our, our finance team pulled out on us the, the day before closing. Wow. So we 
had to beg the wholesaler to give us an extra six days, had to put up double the earnest money. We ended up raising 250000 in six days and uh, closed on a property. And, um, you know, once we closed on it, we, we went through the city, got all our entitlements, had to convince the city because tiny homes is, is it's a new product. You know, just like I didn't want to hear, the city council didn't want to hear about tiny homes either. But I knew that because what I told myself was when I went to the pre-application meeting, I said, if they're anything like me, they don't want to hear this. So part of my marketing plan to get them, you know, to, to grant us the variances and the rezoning was to take them on a field trip. So I took this entire city council on a field trip to another site that had been completed. And once they saw it, they fell in love with it. Mm. The same inspector that was questioning me and, and drilling me in these pre, in the pre-application meeting, once I got him on site, he's up there asking questions, giving suggestions. That's when I knew I had him. Yeah. All they had to do was see it because that's all I, I needed to do was see it. It wasn't I wasn't sold on this tiny house stuff until I went and saw that same development. It was in it was in the framing stages at that point. By the time we we found the property and and and, and got around to um you know, purchasing our property, that uh, community was built. And that's when I took the city out. So that's that's kind of the long and short of, you know, how, how that deal came about. And, you know, once we got our entitlements, we started marketing and uh, it, it caught fire, man. We sold out in 50 days. We sold out $6 million in 50 days. Man, that's awesome. Congrats, bro. <laughs> that's big. And it's one of the things I'm always telling everybody, every problem has a solution. You just got to be creative enough to find it. Right. And that first headwind that you felt from this guy, probably in there drilling you, trying to sound important, you know, sliding little innuendos and stuff. You just say, I'm going to kill him with kindness. I'm going to come back with value and I'm going to focus on my USP, my unique selling proposition. And like you said, yeah. I've never, and I've been in this real estate game since 06, bro, when I was 22, heard of a developer taking the city council on a trip. Like, yeah, that is a creative solution to a problem, bro. Right. And that's the thing, man. Um, for, for everybody that's watching this podcast, I always talk about being a problem solver. Like I knew because I just took my own experience. Like I didn't want to hear it either. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that they didn't want to hear it. So I just went above and beyond and, you know, took them, you know, over there so they can really see it and feel it. Um, it's, it's funny, man, because when we talk about translating what we learn in sports over into business, I, I looked at that like kind of watching film. You know, how you watch film on your opponent and, and try to find the edge. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what I do. Like, I, I went and Googled the whole city council. I read their bios, like like going above and beyond just to know who I'm dealing with. And another thing that I did uh, that was, you know, an extra step was before it was my before it was my turn to go to the pre-application meeting. I went to one be- the month before just to see how they interact with, you know, people, the developers trying to present, you know, and um you know, I was the only one in there. So they was like, hey, sir, what are you here for? And I was like, well, my meeting isn't until next month. I'm just here to peep the scene. And they was like, well, yeah, we don't buy it. And, you know, now now we broke the ice. We laughing and joking and stuff in there. And they say, well, 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 what do you present next month? And I told them about the tiny homes. And everybody was intrigued because the word was out. So, like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that project. But that's just part of just going above and beyond. Like, I, I you know, going, going, some simple as going to the meeting before yours just to kind of see what the scene is, you know? So, Man, yeah. I love it. Man, we got so much coming. It's scary, bro. Just being willing to do those extra things. See, people only see the billion in sales. They only see the tiny home neighborhood sold out at $6 million, but they don't see 
you going to 30 days before, two weeks before, sitting in there for hours. You could have been at home eating bonbons, watching NBA, eating that, you know, it's like, but they don't see all of that. And they just see like you with the shovel in the dirt and the, right. and, and the amazing black suit on. They don't see all of the other stuff that came along with it, bro. And I think the people, and that's why I love Kobe, man, rest in peace. He was so obsessed with the process. He wasn't obsessed with the rings and the MVPs and the scoring titles. He was obsessed with the process. And if we can truly understand how to be successful, if I leave anybody with any thought, become obsessed with the process. So, man, that's awesome, bro. Well, man, let me hit you with some more questions and then we're going to get you out of here. Because if not, we're going to be in here for four hours straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So we got this one round. It's called Coming In Hot, bro. So I'm going to throw five questions at you real quick. We're going to time you right now. What's the record, Kyle? Do you know? Like, was it like 38 seconds? 36 like, seconds? These little quick characters, like these are like yes or no questions? Or yeah. I, I, yes or no or one sentence. Okay. So right now, I think a brother did it in like 36 seconds. All right, you we'll, ready? We'll put our fur up to that. We'll, we'll put our 40-yard dash inside <laughs> my <laughs> right. So you just yes or no and you answer. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Do you have a college degree or no college degree? College degree. What was your greatest challenge as a child? Surviving my environment. Okay. What was your first attempt at entrepreneurship? Man, I used to sell cut coal knives in college. Ooh, grinded. What was the worst real estate or entrepreneur advice you've ever received? Refer out a commercial deal. Ooh. Who was the one person who made the biggest impact on your career? Ooh, man. <laughs> on, my, on my real estate career? Yep. My peoples. All right, 37.4, bro. You were right there. You got caught at the end. <laughs> hey, I was in the 20s, man. I was just trying to like, damn. I'm, my bad. I was thinking, like, man, am I, am, I am I naming my basketball person or my <laughs> person? But yeah, I would say dumb peoples, even though I hadn't met them. Yeah. Um, but like I said, man, I read that book three times, man, and it really changed my perspective. Like, you know, the first time I read it, I learned about deal structure. The second time I read it, I, I, I learned that he was in politics. Mm-hmm. The third time I read it, I realized I need to be in politics. And, you know, like I said, the city council, that those are basically city politicians. And, you know, they can they make million dollar decisions of what gets approved and what doesn't. So, what you know, once I read that book, I found myself at these different charity events, um, meeting with mayors. Um, like I'll give you an example. Once I read that book for the third time, like I told you about sniping and, and, and putting this stuff right into action. I got on the phone with my mentor and I said, I need a, a meeting with the mayor and I got it. That's mm. by asking. Yeah. And now I'm sitting there with the mayor and and, and, and and now we're talking about how I can develop the city's blighted properties and stuff like that. So it's just like, man, like just taking that information and implement it really, really springboarded. me, Bro, I'm proud of you, bro. That's all I can say. Proud of you, bro. Man, and you in Atlanta too, man. Like I told my wife after we came back from Atlanta when I was, when I was down there with y'all last year. I said, if we had these kids, I'd be out. I'd be headed to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, nah, I'm a Texas boy through and through, man. Well, yeah. final couple questions. So this is called our moonshot. This means like it's like so outside the box, kind of like Elon Musk to the moon. What's this one goal or dream that, that people think is impossible for you to achieve that's like your moonshot? I'm going to be a billionaire. There it is. Yep. For sure. Yeah, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm already with you on that. That's going to happen. The B word doesn't even really get mentioned, you know, where I'm from. Like, that's not even, you know, hood rich is, is the goal. You know what I'm saying? Quote, unquote. But I've been studying all these billionaires. And not only that, I studied wealthy families. I studied the Rothschilds. I studied the Vanderbilts, the DuPonts. 
and just see how they did things. Because basically what I do is I force myself to do stuff that's out of my comfort zone and out of the norm for, for what everything that I've been brought up. You know, I taught myself how to do stocks by, you know, watching CNBC. And when they say stuff that I didn't know, I would just pause it, Google it, and then rewind it and implement the definition. Mm. So I taught myself how to do stocks by forcing myself to watch CNBC. I'm telling you, the first time I started doing it, it was hard because I didn't know anything. I remember the first time they said something about quantitative ease and I had no idea what that mean. That word was never even said, you know, where I'm from, quantitative easing. So, uh, I, and, you know, I, I went, Googled the word, rewind, you know, and just implemented the definition. And that's how, that's how I started learning. Man, I love it. So we have every one of our guests bring a book, a, a recommendation, because, we, you know, we say readers are leaders. You send in the people, the people's principles, and you kind of already hit on it. But what's, what's one sentence on how you feel like that's made an impact on your, on your career? Man, um, because it just really opened up the floodgates to what's possible. Because even when I got into real estate, there was no developers around. It was, you know, sell, sell real estate, bring us back a commission, refer out your commercial deals. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's crazy because it's like, man, like, and then once I started going and seeking out these different mentors through these books, I realized how they were doing it. And it was like, man, I can do it too. So the one thing in the people's principles that really gave me a lot of hope because I remember at this time that I was reading this book, I was kind of down on myself because, you know, I was a, I was a realtor. There's nothing wrong with being a realtor, but I knew I wanted to get to being an investor. Mm-hmm. And it was man, like, am I wasting my time? Like, how do I get to be an investor? And the one sentence in the book, I realized that he started out as an appraiser. Mm. And this is a part of the process. Yeah, it is. So yeah. go through your process, celebrate your small wins along the way. Never make the same mistake twice and you're going to progress. There it is. Well, you already kind of hit. So my final thoughts for the listeners and then how can people find you as we close, bro? Yeah, man. Um, PostPro underscore Shazilla on Instagram, PostPro Shazilla on YouTube. Uh, I drop a lot of free uh, free game on my on my YouTube. And um, that's it. And my TikTok is Shazilla. If you want to follow me on there, I, I try to give out. I, I try I try to just document my process, you know, and I'm, I like to show the good, the bad and the ugly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because I know a lot of times all you see really is highlight reels in the feed. Mm-hmm. Hey, I just closed. Uh, we sticking shovels in the ground, things like that. But I, I, I try to also implement the setbacks so mm-hmm. I can project that on my audience so they don't make that same mistake. Um, I remember one time we I, I, I purchased a, a partially finished new construction from a distressed builder. I didn't know to even check to make sure he had all of his you know, inspection tags, you mm-hmm. know, because if he didn't, you know, they had already she rocked the house. And if he didn't, uh, the city inspector could have made me go and open up the walls, which would have cost me more money through all my numbers off and everything like that. So that's the type of stuff I also, you know, put out, you know, when I'm putting out this content is, you know, just just show people like, hey, it's OK. You can make mistakes. Just don't make the same mistakes. Twice. And definitely don't make the mistakes I made because that's why I'm telling you that I made. Yeah. No, that's good, bro. Well, thank you for being on the show, man. I'm proud of you. It's going to be a great episode. And I'm going to see you soon. Hopefully you can get down for the camp, Terrence Murphy camp, football, finance, and faith. But if not, bro, I know we're going to see each other soon. Man, shoot me a date, man. I'm there, man. I I, I want to see what, uh, it's not Dallas, it's uh, College Station. I want to see what College Station can get the offer. Didn't you play A&M in college? Yeah, we did, but we didn't really get to go out. Oh, you know yeah. What I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, yeah. I think they, they beat us pretty, I mean, they beat us about 20. I, like for me, when I was playing, if I lost, you probably couldn't talk to me for 48 hours. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, man, it's just like, 
even though, you know, you got the mid-major, high-major, in my mind, I could play anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my teammates to think that, too. I wanted my coaches to think that, too. So it's like, it's not like, oh, don't worry about it. It's Texas A&M. They got AC Law. It's like, nah, I didn't come here to lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's just like back, going back to mindset. Yeah, AC, AC was my guy. He was the dude on the basketball team, and I was obviously the guy on the football team at the time. So that's yeah. cool. Well, man, hey, proud of you, brother. I will let you know on the episode, man, and I'm going to stay behind. I appreciate it, T. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com.